Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and our guest today is Anika Larson, who is going in as the mom, Elaine Miller, in almost famous, about to open on Broadway, or maybe already open by the time you listen to this episode. She is more proof of why I truly, truly enjoy doing this podcast. We learn so much about someone beyond the 80-word limit that People are often given to provide their bios and their playbills and some, depending on your role, you may have a little more, a little less, but gosh, there's so much depth to her and we just get into all sorts of things outside of theater. So I'm really excited to share this this conversation with you. Make sure that you follow me online on Instagram and Twitter, on TikTok, at the theater podcast on TikTok. I don't know what I'm doing. Actually, if someone wants to help me out on TikTok, just like slip into my DMs on Instagram because I check that more often. And uh, I would love to like grow TikTok a little bit because why not? Um, Sure, there you go. Now with that shameless request out of the way, everybody please enjoy this episode with Anika Larson. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our guest today has performed on the Broadway stage in Beautiful, the Carol King musical, for which she received a Tony nomination. She's also performed on Avenue Q, Xanadu, All Shook Up, and Rent, which gave her Broadway debut back in 2000. She's a member of the Broadway Green Alliance and has become a passionate ambassador for the global goals for sustainability. She has an album of lullabies for all ages called Sing You to Sleep and serves on the board at the New York City Children's Theater. She can now be seen on stage as rock mom Elaine Miller in Almost Famous, Anika Larson. Welcome to the Theater Podcast. That was just about my favorite introduction of me ever. <laughs> yes. That was like the full totality of me. Thank that you. That is what these episodes because are. It's 
Yes, because the Broadway Green Alliance stuff, I mean, saving the planet matters more than anything I'm actually doing on a stage. Um, and the New York City Children's Theater stuff and what they do for the city kids. And yeah, thank you. Like, wow, that was awesome. You're welcome. Well, let's Yay. actually, well, let's dive in there then because the yeah. this is, it's unusual actually for, uh, I guess in, in the theater space, the Broadway space, for people to list out uh, a, a few of the things that you've listed like in your bio and your about and, and whatnot. And some people are into this and some people are, I guess, do it. But like you seem, obviously from that reaction, you're very passionate about yeah. this. Yeah, you know, um, we get, uh, I think I got 70 words for my bio and playbill. Um, and then the ensemble only get 50 words. And it's just like, how do you... How do you, and so I always, first of all, this is, now we're getting to the nitty gritty, but I always want mine to feel like a story. So I always put it in complete sentences. So it's never just like a list. Um, and that's just because I'm a little OCD. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, I want it to be uh, about all of the sides of me. So I include the fact that my husband plays the trumpet and that I have two boys who I think I call them delightful slash relentless, <laughs> which I think you understand because yep. you have kids about the same age. Um, and, um, so I feel like that's the most interesting, I'm not going to be able to tell them about all of me in 70 words, but how can I give them a sort of general sense of the, of the fullness and the totality of me beyond theater? So I list just my Broadway credits because that does seem to be what people want to hear about most. And they're my biggest credits. I don't really do TV and film. So, um, but yeah, but, um, uh, yeah, talking about all that other stuff, I think it's important. And, and I really do think, honestly, I think we're at, a, at such a place of, of crisis in terms of our our planet that I think we all have to be talking about what we can be doing every day and what we are doing every day in terms of being green and responsible and ethical and controlling what we can control. You know what's kind of weird and scary, I'm, you do know this, is I think there there's two <laughs> event horizons that we're going to see in our lifetime. One is with the planet yeah. and the other the other one is with AI. And, and yeah. so it's 2040. Ooh. 2040 is the year. I, I, I've done, I know yeah. this. I've talked with Many AI experts, oh, there are uh -huh. 2040 is the year at which we can no longer predict how smart and uh, AI will be and what they're going to do for us or against us. Because already, we, the, the, the programmers who made the algorithms that are feeding us all the, the ad yeah. sales algorithms that are the retargeting things, they don't know how yeah. they operate anymore. So Yikes. the reason I bring this up is I think there's a lot of uh, there, there's there's a story in there, right? There's a story that you can mm -hmm. tell, but there's also the mm -hmm. opportunity for AI to do good and to help us with sure. the planet and maybe all be of this. smarter than us. Yeah, mm -hmm. wouldn't it be nice if they if they are as smart as they should be? They should know that we need a planet for AI to even be on. Um, yeah, um, I don't know. Somehow, funnily enough, talking about the AI of it all feels like it brings me back full circle to the importance of in-person theater and how yes. much we missed it and live people and live human connection and how much, I don't know what 2040 is going to be like, but how much um, we as humans will never be able to rely only on technology, AI. It, it is, we, if COVID taught us anything, it's that being isolated with screens is never enough. It's that we need to be in space with other humans communing. Um, there's no, it's not a coincidence that theaters are shaped just like churches. It's where hmm. we go to know we're not alone, to offer up our gratitude, to tell our stories, to be heard, be seen, feel each other. Um, and so the, I don't know, it's it, the amount of joy of being in this show, um, uh, particularly after a few years of not being in a show, 
uh, it's just, it's so, it's so unbelievably heightened. We have a song in the show called Everybody's Coming Together. And it's just the anthem for our time, I think. It's this, just this, we all, we all need to be coming back together um, in these rooms. And the, and the show, one of the sort of biggest themes is isolation and, and needing your tribe and, and friends and, and family. And um, I think we're just so thirsty for that. And um, AI will never replace that. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about 2040. That's not my, that's not, not my area of expertise, <laughs> but I do know that we can all, if we are all acting locally and if we are all doing what we can, I do know uh, having finally sort of fallen in, down the rabbit hole of, you know, it was maybe six months ago that I saw yet another article in the New York times about yet another dire study that makes it feel hopeless. And I thought, and I did what I usually do, which is I panicked and I thought, but I, I recycle, I drive a Prius, I take short showers, I vote for people who care about these things. I don't know what else I can do. And then I turned away and it just didn't sit right with me for a couple of days. And I thought, no, actually, I have to be able to look my kids in the face and tell them I really tried. Yeah. And um, I have a friend uh, who's a professor of sustainability up at SUNY New Paltz. And I called her and I said, what can I do? And she said, everybody has to do the, you know, find the way in for them and the, the thing that they're most passionate about um, and um, and act locally. She said, but your local is Broadway and Broadway gets attention. So that's when I joined the Broadway Green Alliance. And, you know, one of the big coups that they had early on was that they, um, people, a lot of people don't know this, but all of the marquees on Broadway are LED lights. Um, and that's got to save a considerable amount of electricity a year. Um, so, um, I have big plans, none of which I can share today, but keep your ears open, keep your ears to the ground. And, um, um, there's going to be lots of stuff that we're going to be doing this year. I'm really going to be trying to use the attention I get this year to, um, focus on, on the, the pragmatic stuff that we can all be doing. And then what Broadway as an industry industry can be doing to, um, help save the planet. It's, and, and here's the good thing is that in falling down this rabbit hole, the more research I've done and the more I've learned about it, the more hopeful I feel there are, it, it is a groundswell. There are so many people on, in all arenas and in all industries, so many incredibly smart people who are doing incredibly innovative stuff and stuff that will make money, which we all know it has to be profitable mm -hmm. for it to actually work. Um, and, um, I, I really think that there is, absolute reason for optimism that we can do this, but we all have to start acting now. Um, and um, my friend who's the professor of sustainability got me fired up about the UN Global Goals for Sustainability, which if you don't know them, check them out on the, in the internets. But the beauty of them is there's 17 of them. And it's the idea, it's the to-do list for the world created by people all over the world. Um, everybody had input and all the UN nations, all 193 of them have signed off on it. And it's basically this agreement that these are the 17 thing, 17 most important things we need to do. But the idea being that we can't have a greener world without a fairer world and vice versa. So the first, number one, is no poverty. Number two is no hunger. It's the idea that everybody needs access to education. We need gender equity. We need social justice. That we can't have just, we can't just focus on the climate and animals and the, and the oceans. That we, in, saving, in solving any of our problems, we're actually solving all of our problems. And it's really heartening and really exciting when you see just how smart people have really actually sort of diagnosed what we need to do and created targets for it and let's go and it's just like here's what you could do on any one of the fronts find the one that matters most to you and get after it that's so cool and something you said a while ago uh that i thought 
you were going to stop, but then you kept talking was um, COVID taught us that we... I do no, that. No, COVID, no. So you said COVID <laughs> taught us we need to all be in space together. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, we're going to almost famous to outer space. Cool, cool. That's kind of the opposite of oh, collecting. Okay. No. Um, so the, 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 the focus, I think, uh, uh, on the LED lights and the marquees and stuff, I've noticed that. Actually, somebody pointed that out today. They sent me a picture of the of the Bad Cinderella marquee because we were talking about it. And they they'd walked yeah. by and I was like, oh, that's quick. Yeah. And they were like, well, did... It's did, literally... Yeah. there's. Do you, wait, do you see this pink, the pink oh, yeah. light Is through my window? That's the yeah. bad Cinderella marquee. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> it shines this pink light inside my window. That's 45th well, Street. Well, this, this is interesting that you bring this up in terms of, of relating to Broadway because I, I feel like there was a missed opportunity and maybe it's still in the works and it's just slow and it, because all the producers in the houses and the theaters and the shows are all sort of against each other because they're all in the same business but they're in competition because they want you to buy their tickets and not the, you know, not the tickets sure. across the way. So, like, it, this point, I'm I'm actually disheartened to see that there wasn't more, maybe I just didn't know about it, more change in, like, literally uh, filtration systems and the electrical systems of the house and, or, you know, of all these, these things. And then as New York, as, as, a, as a whole city, I, we're so far behind now in terms of infrastructure because now everything is just starting to fall apart. So, I mean, is the Green Alliance, probably Green Alliance, like, are you focusing on that? Are these, you know, I'm trying to pull out some tidbits of things you yes, can't tell us yet. Yes, I don't actually know enough. Of, it is. It is so complicated. And it is, you know, the, the, there are different entities that are all at work and 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 are powerful and and come together to make these things happen. And so you have the producers of each individual show, and then you have the landlords that own the different theaters. And, you know, there's the main three that own most mm-hmm. of them. Um, and then there's the unions. And so everything is complicated. Everything involves, you know, everything with humans is complicated. Anytime a bunch of humans get together, it's complicated. Um, so um, uh, I don't honestly feel like I know enough about that, that I could speak to it intelligently today. And I only like to speak about things intelligently. Um, so I don't know. But I feel like we... <laughs> well, let's, let's... I feel like people are listening and they're like, when are you going to talk about Almost Famous? Uh, well, let's talk... I want to talk about mom <laughs> so stuff first because... Oh, let's talk well, about mom stuff. Which will lead to Almost is, Famous, right? Because this... Oh, you're intelligent about being Almost Famous as a mom. Um, yeah. The, uh, the, the eye-opening uh, scenario that I had uh, of um, working with Kara Cooper and Jessica Rush specifically on their podcast, Mom is Talking yeah. Loud, right? And yeah, I, I yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, yeah. In, it, it, as, as a as a male who has not had to a been on Broadway or be uh, birth a child of my own body, um, didn't realize how difficult that you have, that it is in general, a, to be an Olympian of theater, which is called a Broadway performer, but then also to, uh, to be a mother and to miss your children's bedtime and to have to, um, mm-hmm. uh, take their, their being into account and balance it with your own, which is, you know, what every parent does, but it's especially hard with yeah. what you're doing. So how yeah. have you, I guess COVID was sort of a blessing in disguise in that respect. Cause it gave us all like a solid two ish years with our family again, but um, along those lines, uh, were, were was it easy for you to decide to become a mother in this particular case, or like how does that? How does oh, that go that's through? interesting. Um, I always wanted to be a mother. I'm one of ten kids, and I just always, always knew. I mean, when I was a kid, I wanted to have ten kids, and then I grew up, and I was like, that's crazy. 
I could do that. I know. I asked my parents, how did you do it? And they say, I don't remember. I think they blacked out for like 25 years and woke up. And <laughs> they say you don't remember the bad stuff the and they just blacked all that out. You yeah. just yeah. don't. They don't. They don't have any. I'm like, but I am. I am struggling to manage my two. Can you just how did you do it? They don't have they don't remember. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. One of the things that my parents actually both say is they say we were much younger than you. They were in their 20s when they started, and I was 41 and 43 when I had my boys. So um, definitely, if I had the energy of a 20-something-year-old, I I think things would be easier. Um, uh, You know, it's funny you mentioned Kara Cooper and Jessica Rush, because Jessica um, said uh, one time, she said, something that has so stuck with me, which is she said, every time I go to an audition and I look across the room and I see another woman who is a mother, I think I know what it took for you to get here today. And I, it was one of those crazy moments where instantly my eyes were filled with tears and they were pouring over my cheeks. Like you didn't think tears could come out of your face that fast (laughs) because I felt so heard in a way that I had never actually had somebody express it. But, but yeah, the like for auditions, the idea of you sometimes get a day's notice, like less than sometimes. And just like, or even if you have a couple days notice, when am I going to find time to get familiar enough with this material to feel at all like I have a mastery of it that I'm not going to make a fool of myself? Never mind on the day, the getting the childcare to get into the, you know, get into the audition, um, to show up feeling like, like, you know, trying to put on your makeup while your kids are there wanting their makeup put on too. And like, you know, just how are you going to show up looking good and feeling like just you didn't realize how much easier auditioning was when you didn't have these appendages. (laughs) And um, it was so true. It's funny. I haven't actually gone to an audition in over three years because of COVID. So those, those, maybe I never will have to again, but, um, but yeah, it it is really, really hard. And, um, you know, everybody tells you, Parented is hard. It is. It is hard and you can't know it until you're doing it. But in particular, yes, it is It is hard um, as a theater person who, yes, like now, I mean, this is my first time. It's my first time being on a show schedule with two boys who are now like humans who can walk around. They're ambulatory and they have, you know, personalities and opinions about things. Um, they're five and seven. Can't remember if I said that. But um but yeah, I'm, you know, we're in previews now and I get up at 6.45. I go to bed maybe by 12.30 if I'm lucky enough I can get my body to wind down mm-hmm. by then. And I get up at 6.45 and I get them breakfast and pack their lunches and walk them to school. Um, not because I'm a glutton for punishment, but because if I don't, that's the only time I can see them in the day. And otherwise I'm gone for the rest of the day. That will change once uh, very soon in a couple of weeks when we're on just a regular show schedule. Then I will also get to pick them up from school and see them for a little bit until I go. And then I do also see them, you know, Saturday and Sunday mornings and stuff, um, um, days off, you know, but, um, but, um, but yeah, it's, it sometimes feels crazy. There have been a couple mornings I've opted out because I was just like, I have to sleep. Um, because you can't be in good vocal health if you don't sleep and you can't do the show, you know, well, if you can't, you can't remember your lines if you don't sleep. So, 
Um, it has been hard. Um, I am, I think I mentioned I'm OCD and so I'm a compulsive planner. And so that is very helpful in terms of childcare and sort of managing being the COO of my family and managing from, you know, just today here, we had rehearsal this afternoon and, um, I was texting back and forth with my husband and my dad, who's here to help a lot. Um, just about stuff that was, you know, coming up, uh, about, you know, just, it's constant, the stuff that comes up. Sorry. That is our, that is the, I think they're sound department is testing the speakers it's testing the sound system oh, so they always pick a random song but i think that it's here and it's gone um but yeah it's wicked hard as they say in boston where i'm from <laughs> um i i wouldn't change a thing um you said you know you were talking about covid being a sort of like a respite but covid actually i languished it was hard really? um i never ever thought i was meant to be a stay-at-home mom and if we needed scientific evidence we got it <laughs> over those couple of years i did not fare well i was disappointed in my parenting every day because it was too much time one-on-one, not one-on-one, one-on-two with um, two boys who are unreasonable often. Um, And, um, you know, developmentally appropriately, they are narcissists and they are fighting with each other and they are, you know, I mean, um, adorable and delightful. Turn on a dime and do something so charming your heart hurts and you think, okay, I won't abandon you at the mall this week. I was considering it, but not this week. Um, But, um, but, uh, yeah, no, so... Um, because that was so hard, um, and, and, and so began to take its toll by, by the time two years had passed, um, you just won't hear a complaint out of me about the balance, about doing this. This is hard, but it's so much better for, for me and then for my family because they're getting a me who is, I me fully realized, you know, there's, there's, it's all the sides of me that are getting to be exercised now. And, um, and, um, so I am a better mom because I am working and, and this brings us to almost famous, th- it is an unbelievably beautiful symbiotic relationship between the show and my home life, because on stage I am playing the mom and there's no way I would be able to do this as well if I wasn't a mom at home. So to have my home life be supporting me doing what I'm doing on stage. And then also this show, this particular role, and also this particular team, the creative team, stage management, the producers have so from 2018, when I did the first reading of it, have been so supportive of me being a mother. Um, and the role itself, the size of it is, is, is all that I can handle, the bandwidth of it. Um, I am beautifully featured but I am not carrying the show on my back. I mean, almost none of the group numbers that, you know, it's, I'm just, my, my, my plot line is just sort of parallel to the, to the rest of the show. And so I'm not in any of the stuff it takes time to rehearse. So there's just often been days I haven't even been called. So just the, the, the amount that I'm meant to carry in this show is so manageable whilst also being a, a mother at home. So it's, food delivery for Anthony at stage door in case anyone was curious. <laughs> um, if Anthony, if you're watching, go get your food. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's about what it sounds um, like to me. Yeah, pre-show backstage. That's what it is. Um, oh, I love it. So yeah, um, it's, um, I really, I, I, yeah, no, I can't complain. I am happy as a clam. I'm happy with being tired. I am grateful for the support I'm getting from all fronts and um, I am better at asking for help than I've ever been because I know I can't 
get through. I'm often one who's like, I don't want to ask, being one of 10 kids, I'm uncomfortable with asking for more than my fair share of anything. And um, I am I am willing to ask for help these days um, when I when I need to. So it's going pretty well so far. And we're really almost through the thick of it right now. The show is frozen and next week we open. And um, so really after that, we should just be in show schedule mode for the most part. And then I think life will feel, I don't know, the holidays are coming and then it'll get crazy again. But, but I think, um, I think we will, I think me and my family will settle into a nice little groove. That's amazing. And it, it, hopefully, you know, wishful thinking the show is going to run forever and years and years. And like mm-hmm. you started your career, uh, a Broadway career with Rent, which is obviously something mm-hmm. that lasted for a long time. And, and, mm-hmm. um, I read too that you- side note there side note there uh my robe that you can see hanging on the back of my door that white robe right there uh-huh. it's a robe says rent on the back i got it when actually in 97 with the la company of rent i did um rent on tour before i did it on broadway and i did it in la and that was the like opening night gift in la that robe is older than casey likes who plays my son <laughs> so that's a fun fact i like to share with people <laughs> oh i love it um oh i was gonna say oh yeah so so you've been in that and then uh on on your website i was reading that you were like and then i didn't work for two years and that was an invaluable lesson right so like you came out you're like i'm i'm a i'm a star now hire me and then didn't work and and so i guess walk that's a different two years than the covid two years so uh touch on that real quick because i think that's that's something for um my listeners i think i think skew a little younger because they come to new york and they're like i'm here now broadway take me and then they don't work for years that's such an interesting point. I had never thought to compare those two years to the COVID two years. Um, I think the sort of critical difference being with the COVID two years, I always knew I had almost famous to look forward to. I also always knew I was established in my career and I knew I would work again, um, even if it wasn't almost famous. But I did have that beautiful carrot dangling in front of me, even though it kept getting further and further away from me. Um, uh, but um, but back then, I had only done Rent. Um, Rent was also sort of famously like a pop rock musical. And so, um, and that was, that's the way I've, that's sort of been my career is pop rock musical. So it was, it did feel like, well, but maybe I'll never get to do legit musical theater. Maybe, maybe I'm not really a Broadway actor. Maybe this, I only got, got into the sort of side door to Broadway because I sing the way that I sing. Um, and maybe I will never work again. Maybe <laughs> I will never be on Broadway again. Maybe, I mean, when I say for two years, I didn't work, of course I like, temped and did my day jobs and nannied and stuff, but I didn't get paid to do theater again. I didn't have a theater contract again for two years. Um, And um, yeah, I mean, I didn't know starting it just like with COVID. I didn't know it was going to be two years. You hope it changes tomorrow. Right. But, um, but um, I am very glad that that happened to me because it, it, um, it, it humbled me in a way that has served me throughout my life. Um, and sticks with me still. And um, it made me smart about uh, saving my money when I was making it and putting my into my 401k anytime I was on a contract, because it's hard to get the contracts that you can have a 401k in. Um, but just being real smart about planning for my future, um, because it is feast or famine. And, uh, you know, it, I, I wish that was the only drought in my career, but there I had another one right before I did beautiful. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, that's actually for me, 
the worst part of the business is the unpredictability mm-hmm. of it for someone who's a planner. Um, people often say, you know, sort of assume that like the rejection is the hardest part. And I don't, I don't actually think so. For anybody who manages to survive doing this for a year or two, you very quickly get hardened to that. And you know, you also quickly learn that it's just it has so little to do with you or you personally, or you know, it's just like such a very many number of factors that are the reason why you didn't get cast. And and only one of them is. It's very rarely that you're not good enough. First, you know, for the people who are out there working, you know, it's just that you weren't right. They weren't right. You didn't match. Like, also, you don't know. There's so many people who get a vote, especially with a musical. Just the number of people who get to speak into who gets cast. That sometimes it's just about the negotiations between people that have, you know, like it just you just can't know. So you, you can't take a personal. And if you do take a personal, you don't last. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, no, the it, it it was it is it is the unpredictability. I remember I had um I maybe had been in the city for a couple of years and um I had just gone to an audition that had gone poorly and I was sitting on the subway and I looked across from me and there was a guy in scrubs. Um he must have been a nurse and I thought, "Oh, I I burst into tears again, me bursting into tears. It happens a lot." But um uh I just thought, "You know what you're going to do tomorrow, next week, next year." 10 years from now. And I am so envious of that because I don't know any of those things. And there are some people who sort of love that. And there is definitely the like rapturous moments when your agent calls you and says, Hey, you want to go on Avenue Q tour starting in two weeks? And you're like, absolutely. (laughs) I do. That's fun. Um, but, um, but, but to not be able to predict, to not be able to plan sometimes to not even be able to plan tomorrow. Cause at six 30, you thought you knew your day. And at six 30, you get a call about an audition that you can't say no to. And it's just, it's, it's a really hard, you got to get super Zen to be able to live that way for long. And it's, it's, uh, it's different too, even for alternate standbys, understudies, all of that. Because you could literally show yeah. up and you could be halfway through napping act through act oh, yeah. one. You're like, all right, Anika, you got to put your costume on. You're going on for act two. Oh, yeah. you going on ten minutes? oh I've yeah. done that yeah. on Rent Tour. I was a swing. I was a swing on Rent Tour and on Broadway. Um, and yeah, the number of times we used to call it getting um, an eighth for a 16th because when you go on for a lead, you get double your pay that show. And since you do eight shows a week, it's an eighth of your salary that you get on top of your weekly salary. <laughs> So it's called getting an eighth. But to get an eighth for a 16th is super fun. Um, You know, theater people love math. (laughs) (laughs) Like what? I I love math and I couldn't follow that. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. I mean, we talked about this. I've talked about this so many people too, that even when you're working, when you're doing what you do know and the show is going well and you're seeing that those houses are full, you're still during the day auditioning for your next role or do oh, yeah. TV or film, whatever the case is. So you're always looking to, to that oh, next it's thing. It's a constant I, hustle. Yeah, yep. yeah. And I don't know, like there's something so uh, frighteningly attractive about that lifestyle. And I can't figure <laughs> out what it is. I still can't figure out what that is. I don't agree. <laughs> I agree about the frightening. Um, <laughs> you lost me at attractive. Um, yeah, no, it's um, it's it's it sometimes feels masochistic, and I definitely, and I think, not I think, I am certain every performer out there, no matter how long they've been doing it, has thought about quitting, has tried to figure out how to quit. And then if they're like me, just couldn't figure out an exit strategy. I um, uh, just couldn't figure out what I would, 
uh, otherwise do. Um, and, um, and then something comes along to keep you in it. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's tricky. It is. It's a tricky, tricky thing, it, but it's worth it, right? Like there's the fire in you or else you wouldn't keep going. There's the, the, um, the, the reward is so high. We, I mean, I get to do what I dreamed of doing when I was a little girl. How many people get to say that? At the end of my workday, people clap for me. How many people get to say that, you know? <laughs> yeah, imagine like at the end of your- Accountants. Yeah, your accountants or CPAs. You're like, all right, all right, Steve, I'm going home. <laughs> yes. Well done, Steve. Yes, those derivative, Bravo. those derivative. Wait, oh, more. God. Encore. You, Encore. You found tax write-offs nobody else has done before. You get an accountant award. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I actually want to dive back, uh, touch on the childhood because you- I know yeah. that I've got it in my notes that I skipped over it because we started talking about the green, the uh, environmental stuff. Yeah. But like one, one of ten, one of today. ten children, yes. I yes. had one sibling, and that was almost mm. one too many for me. Um, so yeah. talk, talk to me about about the about you know little little yeah. Anika. It's it's for sure the defining characteristic of my life. Like it's the. Um, uh, uh, we're talking a lot about my compulsions today, but I am a compulsive team player and it's because of being one of 10 kids. And that has, that serves me well in such a collaborative art form. Right. So, um, so I am, I am grateful for it, but yeah, no, I have nine brothers and sisters. I grew up in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Um, six of my brothers and sisters are adopted from different races and countries. And, um, so we were unusual. I mean, it's unusual now, but it was even more unusual in the seventies. And, um, uh, so we were a little bit like famous in our town. Um, everybody knew who we were. We were the Larsons and the Lars the Larsons because it was it was Boston. So we were the Larson family, and everywhere I went, people were like, "You're a Larson, right? You're one of the Larsons, aren't you?" And um, <laughs> I just was desperate for people to know that I was Anika. And when I figured out that I got attention by singing, um, I just I didn't I just kept doing it louder and louder and um, my mom would my parents would have a Christmas party every year and my mom thought we were the multicultural Von Trapp family and she made us sing <laughs> at it and I loved it most of my siblings were less thrilled about it but um, but I was more excited about that performance singing my solo than presents I just we I would start talking to my mom in like October about what was my big number going to be for this year's Christmas performance and um, and that's where I caught the bug and. And um, yeah, I've been chasing that feeling ever since. Do you have a, a favorite performance from the years you can remember? Something a year that stands out above others? Um, oh well, it's actually on my website. Sad but true. It's not my favorite. It's my family's favorite to make fun of me about, um, and I try to be good humored about it. But um, I'm, I was a, a bratty. I don't know. That's the thing we should say. We say that girls shouldn't be called bossy anymore. But um, but I definitely have strong opinions about what should be happening on stage. <laughs> and um, I was singing with my sister, Kari, and then my sweet sister, Siri, who's coming to the show tonight. So she's forgiven me. Um, she's coming tonight with my nephew. Um, she um, she started singing along, too. And apparently I had decided it was just a duet. And so I turned to her and I said, you be quiet. You're not singing this. And then her sweet little face crumples and she bursts into tears <laughs> and it's awful. And then I shove my brother back into place. And it's if you want to see it, it's on my website. Anikalarson.biz. The, the video is there. The proof is there. Um, it really happened. I love that. My my yeah. kids are all just into Pokemon and video games, although they do like yeah. the six cast album and Ooh. the, the um, Greatest Showman soundtrack. They're into ah. that. And of course, your standard yeah, yeah, Disney yeah. stuff. But out of outside the Disney world, 
that like my yeah. older one being uh, almost eight now, I'm going to start bringing him with me to some of the the shows I see. So yeah. I'm going to see if he's interested in that because yeah. yeah, it'll help him break out a little bit. Do you? Uh, you know, my boys got to see this. This is the first play they've ever seen. Really? Because of COVID. Before COVID, they were so young that like I wasn't in anything that was appropriate for them. It was unbelievably moving um, to have them out there. In fact, to the degree that the director, our director, Jeremy Herring, gave me a note the next day of beware being overly emotional in this moment. And I was like, my kids were right there. You know, (laughs) you said hi to them before the show. Cut me some slack. Um, But it was amazing to have them out there watching me be a mom. I actually told my oldest, his name is Key, and his younger brother is Asha. And as I left them out in front of the building, um, uh, I said, okay, so I'm going to be thinking about you the whole time, even though I can't look at you or talk to you, and you can't look at me or talk to me. Just a little reminder of the rules of this. Fourth wall. And um, yes. And Key said, okay, mama, when you're talking, pretend you're talking to me. And when you're yelling, pretend you're yelling at Asha. <laughs> <laughs> what a smart little boy. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's my clever key. Yep, absolutely. Did, is it yeah. is it different for them? Um, or do, do they get it? Do they get that, that there's no. pretending there? Or you, they just think it's just... Oh, yeah. No, they do. Um I mean, they have, well, you know, there have been sweet, funny questions that have, that, that have come up throughout over time. At one point, Key turned to me, like, at breakfast, just entirely out of the blue. And he was smiling like he was joking, but there was a little, like, uncertainty and insecurity in his eyes. He said, Mama, your son in Almost Famous, is he your real son? Ooh. <laughs> and I said, I said, no, honey, don't, don't worry. He's not my real son, and I love you more, which I think was the really the question that he was asking. Just wanted to make sure where he stood in the hierarchy of it all. Um, uh, no, they do know that I'm pretending. They they have also asked, um, before they saw it, they were like, how mad do you get, Mama? Do you yell? Like, do you yell like you yell at home? And I said, no, I do not yell. I yell, but not like I yell at home. <laughs> not proud of it. Not proud of it working on it. But um, yeah, no. Um, but they what they don't get when I first responded no is what they don't get is like what Broadway is. They don't. They're just too young right. to understand sort of how tantamount it all is. They have parents who are for performers. My husband's a trumpet player. We did all through COVID, we did porch concerts for our neighbors just so that we could, you know, so like they've been and they joined us on that, you know, on our porch to do them. So like they're used to parents who perform and the understanding of why Broadway might be exceptional and different than the other ways that they've seen me sing. Um, I don't think they quite get yeah, it. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. How can yeah, you? Because you don't have no sense of scale at that age, right? Yeah, like it's all about no. per, about uh, perspective and scale. And if that's yeah. all you know, right? Like if you grow up, I mean, that's like uh, the stereotype of why like child actors kind of go a little bit nutty in their adulthood because yeah. they grow up and all of a sudden have to take care of themselves and don't understand why, right? And they need <laughs> right. they, they're chasing that high that they get inherently right. as th- that what give what you get being on stage or the celebrity status or whatever the case is. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Well, and as parents, we create our children's world, right? We tell them the rules of the world, and um, and and yeah. So um, I guess I could go home and clarify for my boys. You know, it's a two billion dollar a year industry. Boys, people come from all over the world to see Mama Show. <laughs> um, uh, but um, but yeah, it is. Um, 
it is interesting how the, the sort of the filter and the control and, you know, that's one of the things with the, my character Elaine um, is, you know, she's got her daughter who's rebelling against her controlling nature. Um, and I get it because, um, you know, there's a part that in the song, it's like first it was butter and sugar, white flour, bacon, eggs and bologna, um, but listing all the things that are now forbidden, including rock and motorcycles. And, um, and um, I get it because I was the mom who wouldn't let my kids have refined sugar like sweets and treats until they were three so they thought but why would you give a baby candy if they don't know about it they can't ask for it why it doesn't serve them they think raisins are amazing so why would I but even my own family would look at me like I was like crazy slash annoying when I was like no I don't they don't he's two he doesn't need a birthday cake he doesn't get what cake is he was happy with his birthday pictures are lovely um but yeah no it's um I get Elaine. I get, I get the, I get the wanting to control your child's world, and I get the unbelievable amount of fear that you can't understand until you're a parent when you have to let your child give them up to the mm. world and trust the world with them, which is terrifying. Um, yeah, it's so it's so easy. The show is so beautifully written, and Elaine is so beautifully written. I mean, it's Cameron Crowe's actual mom. Um, and, um, and, uh, she is, it, she is so rich and complicated and beautiful and Tom Kitt, what he's done with the songs are so, it's so, it just really feels like I, all I have to do is be the mother, a mother and say the words or sing the words and get out of the way. And it all just happens. Like it's all, the emotion is all there. Um, and you know, I don't, I like to think that eight years ago I would have done a good job in this role, but. It, it it wouldn't have couldn't have been nearly as easy as it is now to get to feel just to relate. It's that it's that life experience. Yeah. I mean, there's pretending, there's yeah. yeah, there's acting and there's being, and now you get to say you are yeah. being a mother on stage. That's that's yeah. really important. Yeah. It's very important to say. Yeah. Um, so let's yeah. wrap up here with three closing questions. I ask everybody to end the episodes. Oh the first goodness. one, just very simply, is what motivates you. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, well, now, of course, my kids, my family, um, uh, coming home to them at the end of the day. And also, you know, as we started this this podcast with, um, uh, now more than really anything, making sure that I, I leave behind me a world that is as lush and verdant and beautiful as the one I grew up in because they deserve mm, it. Beautiful. Okay, what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now, starting out down a similar path? Um, uh, you know, a lot of people say if there's anything else in the world you should, you could love to do, do it because this is too hard. And I think that's bull. Um, I think that, um, if you're smart, uh, you should live till triple digits. If you don't make dumb choices like smoking or vaping or drugs or, you know, just life, <laughs> poor life choices. If you, with modern medicine being what it is today, um, uh, there's, and, you know, just there's no reason that the life expectancy of young people today isn't triple digits. And that's a lot of decades for switching careers if you need to. And so try, follow your dreams absolutely try. There's nothing worse than what if. There's nothing worse than regret and wondering what if I had tried the thing I love to do. And you may end up doing it or you may end up starting to do it and getting funneled into some whole other life career you never knew about. But, you know, in medieval times, people were a blacksmith because their father was a blacksmith and they all died at 40 and that was it. But now, so many decades, you could do three different careers for 
20 years and still have time to retire. Nope. I 100% agree with that. I'm on my second, okay. if not fifth career. I don't know. It's They're, they're all woven you. together. All right. Last yeah. question then. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as Ooh. many times as you want, Ooh. what would you see? Sound of Music. Sound of Music. <laughs> the movie. The movie. <laughs> Julie Andrews. Sound of Music. No question. Have you ever met Julie? Hands down. No. I'm not sure I could keep myself together if I did. Um, yeah. No, I'm, I'm not sure there's anyone who I've not met that I love more. Than She's Julie an amazing Andrews. person. Um, so amazing. I don't know if we have time for this, but I'll can edit it out if you need to. But um, between the San Francisco out of town run of Beautiful and the rehearsals starting for Broadway for Beautiful, we had one week off. And it's so rare in an actor's life where you know that there's like going to be this point of time like where you, there's no work that's going to come so you can make a plan you could buy a plane ticket so me and my sister Britta who is also obsessed with Sound of Music we bought tickets and we went to Salzburg and um, we saw we saw like literally every place you can visit in the that's in the movie we saw it all we did it all it was it was two OCD people nailing it. <laughs> we nailed it. Um, but we went to the church where she gets married and we sat in a pew and we held hands and we prayed to Julie Andrews <laughs> that we would be pregnant together <laughs> in the next year. And, and for a variety of reasons I'm not going to get into right now, for both of us, it was highly improbable this would happen. First of all, there was no man in my life at the time and my sister had fertility issues. Like So many reasons why there was no reason to think that we could get pregnant in the fight. And cut to a year later, we were both pregnant. Um, we both have seven-year-olds now. And if you want something in this life, pray to Julie Andrews because I'm telling you it works. <laughs> WWJD, what would Julie Andrews? <laughs> Wait, WWJAD, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Where can we find you yeah. on social media? Oh, I'm not. I, I have a Facebook fan page, but other than that, I'm 96 years old. We have your website. But that is where... I have like yep. my website and then that link to the Facebook. So if people want to follow, like that's where I will post about career stuff. But I, I can't, I can't do it. It it's scares fine. me. I'm allergic. I know. And yeah. and uh, and you do lawn parties, but you don't let people on your lawn because you say, "Get off my lawn!" I, get, <laughs> get off, off my, porch. my porch. <laughs> you can get yeah. more of me yeah. at thetheaterpodcast.com. I am on. Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. I'm trying my hand at TikTok. Don't know what I'm doing. I'm at the theater podcast there. This has been edited by Well Run and Hoodlum Productions. Music by Jukebox the Ghost and Incredible Conversation by Anika Larson. Thank you so much. Ooh. Break so Thank many you. legs tonight. You're coming to us from your dressing room. I love these conversations mm -hmm. where you're in the moment. It's just, it's so bright. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great one. Colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot -E 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 org because only together we rise.